the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There are different types of people in this world, and they're cataloged for us in a parable. We'll take a look at that parable next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, greetings and welcome to this Friday broadcast of Abounding Grace. Our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, continues with our look at Luke chapter 8 today, the parable of the sower and the soils. Over the last few broadcasts, we've focused on this marvelous parable. We have one final look for you before we move on in our journey of Luke. Join us now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. Come to me. Put your faith in me and replace that crushing burden of trying to impress God with my easy yoke and my light load. What is this yoke, this load? Jesus says, if you want rest, you've got to come to me and take my yoke upon you. And it's light compared to what you've been doing. This yoke is the law of Almighty God interpreted and magnified by Christ Himself, and exemplified in His own life, which, and this is the key, by His Spirit, He empowers people to obey after they come to Him and rest upon Him alone for salvation. He is saying, my yoke is good. It's good for you. It's not harsh. It's not severe. It's easy and light because I'll change your heart. I'll give you a love for my law, and I'll strengthen you to obey it out of love for me. You see, beloved, over and against this easy easy believism that says it's easy to become a Christian. You, You know, you don't have to experience any pain. You don't have to worry about leaving your sin or being convicted of your sin or repenting of your sins. Jesus says, I offer any one rest that needs it. But to receive it, you've got to come to me in faith, and you've got to put your head in my yoke and take off all the other yokes. And the thorny ground here refused to do it. You see, beloved, without repentance, we will perish. Notice what happened to the seeds here. Because there was no repentance, in other words, the weeds and thorns weren't dug out. And they eventually choked the little plants to death. And choked to death is a right interpretation of the Greek word here. Because it is the same word used in reference to the pigs that were filled with the demons that came out of the Gadarene demoniac that were choked in the sea. They were choked to death. 
just like the pigs were choked to death in the sea of Gadarene, this little seed, the Word of God, is choked to death in the heart of the person that does not repent of his sins. There is no such thing as easy believism. And the point is not that these seeds that were planted in the thorny ground here experienced stunted growth. There was no growth at all. There was no life at all. There was only death. And beloved churches today are filled with thorny ground hearers who really do think they are Christians, but they are not. And most preaching is actually suited to assure and comfort them in their thorny condition. Modern evangelism fosters this view and attitude. The demands of the Christian life in most churches are simply reduced to such a low level that the unbeliever can meet them without radical surgery and without pain, which in reality, beloved, is cruel. For it's like these preachers recommending aspirin for a cancer. Then those are those who make decisions and they say a canned prayer, and they're assured of their salvation based on a simple decision. But in reality, they have nothing to be assured of. And those sins they did not repent of will choke to death the preached word in their heart. Entering the kingdom of God today is presented as so easy and so effortless. But Jesus, Jesus spoke of repenting of sins. He said, deny yourself. He calls us to count the cost. Selling all you have in order to follow Him. And Jesus is emphatic in His stress on the necessity of true repentance in order to be saved. The Greek word for repentance means a radical change of mind that produces a complete change of life and behavior. Listen to some of the verses that impress their readers with the necessity of repentance in both the Old and New Testament. In Luke 24, 47, Jesus says, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations. Paul preached this to the Athenian philosophers in Acts 17. God is now declaring that all men everywhere should repent. In Acts 27, 20, Paul declared, that is here should repent and turn to God performing deeds appropriate to that repentance. And then in the Old Testament, we have that precious passage in Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Beloved, the Bible always links together repentance and eternal life. There is no such thing as possessing eternal life if there is no repentance in your life. And what makes a person repent? Well, of course, the Holy Spirit is ultimately the one that gives us the power to repent. And apart from the work of the Spirit, we will not do it. 
But there are two things that move a person to repent of his sins. One is a proper view of self. One sees the danger and the filthiness and the wickedness of his position outside of Christ. He sees that he has disobeyed God's law, that he is living in rebellion to Almighty God Himself, and that he deserves to be condemned throughout all eternity. But at the same time, he apprehends God's mercy. He believes the gospel and realizes that God offers mercy and salvation to those who repent, even though they don't deserve it. So what does one do when he repents? He grieves over his sins. He hates his sins. He hates himself because he sins. And so he turns away from them all by the power of God, purposing and endeavoringly constantly to walk with God in obedience to all of his commands. He turns from all of his sins. That means you don't repent just once, beloved. It means that repentance is a lifelong act as you purpose, intend in your heart and endeavor, depending on the Holy Spirit, to walk with God by walking in obedience to all of His commands. That is repentance. I want you to notice the kind of weeds that choke out the seeds. They really weren't the ones that you would normally expect. Most of us would expect adultery and drunkenness and embezzlement or murder. But the sins that choke out the seeds were rather respectable. They were respectable sins, at least in the eyes of the world, like the worries of the world. I mean, what respectable person doesn't worry about things, right? And then there's the deceitfulness of riches, the, the desire for more things and the pleasures of this life. Those are the things when unrepented of choke out the preached word of God so that it has no effect on us. The worries of the world, that is, an oppressive concern for food and clothing and home and business and health and security and education. You know, many people spend their whole lives just thinking about these things, talking about them, discussing them, reading about them, worrying about them. And that's the limit of their horizon. Worrying about these things enslaves and kills, beloved. They choke to death. We sometimes speak of corroding cares. That is, says commentator William Hendrickson, worries that eat away at one's soul, little by little. Worry not only breaks down resistance to disease, and it not only shortens life, but it also prevents one from concentrating on the blessings of God, which He constantly provides for us. And beloved, worry is always, please, it is always unbelief and disobedience. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things may be added unto you. He says, they will be added on to you. Do you believe God or not? There's another sin that chokes to death the Word of God, and that is the deceitfulness of riches. 
And the deceitfulness of riches is the craving for wealth. There's nothing wrong with possessions and wealth. But when we crave these things with an inordinate yearning and when we cling to them and we are willing to sacrifice integrity to possess them and hold on to them, that's what Christ is telling us here is this wayward, wayside, this, this weed and these thorns that choke out his word. Riches, wealth, prosperity, material blessings can, only, can not only choke, but they blind. Like in the case of the rich young ruler. Let's look at that story. We can find it actually in Mark 10. The story of the rich young ruler. Mark 10, 17 through 22. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou, thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up my cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You see what deceitfulness of riches does to a man? They choke him to death. They blind him. This young man was blind about Jesus. He was blind about what God demanded of him. He was blind concerning the way to eternal life. He was blind about his own true spiritual condition. And he was blind about the hold the riches he owned had on him. Jesus said concerning this man that he had much property. But in reality, his property had a hold of him. His property owned him. His indebtedness owned him. His craving for wealth owned him. That chokes the seed to death, beloved. Mark 4.9 says, The desire for other things are some of the weeds that choke the seed of the preached word to death. Repentance, on the other hand, it brings singleness of mind and purpose. It brings a focus to life. It keeps all of our priorities straight, and that focus is the desire for God's glory and to live for His pleasure. So when, our desire, when the desires in your life, other than the desire to serve God, compete for top priority, those desires will eventually choke to death the preaching of the Word of God. Luke 8.14 says, the pleasures of life, those things that are not wrong in and of themselves, but when we commit or devote ourselves to them, and we are more concerned with playing and enjoying life than serving God, then that desire for pleasure and leisure chokes to death the Word of God. So I say to you, though loved, beware of deception concerning your assurance of salvation. It could be, and I really hope I'm dead wrong, and if one of you can prove that I am wrong, I would be the happiest man in the world. 
But I believe that there are many more people in Silicon Valley today who are assured of their salvation than are actually saved because of their own deception. The Bible says on that day, the day of judgment, many will say, but Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that in your name? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we perform many miracles in your name? And Jesus will say on that day, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, I would feel a little more comfortable if he would actually said on that day there's going to be a few who say. But it says on that day there are going to be many, many that are going to receive the shock of their lives. But, but, but Lord, I thought, depart from me. You didn't dig up the thorns and the weeds. You didn't repent. You need to see your need for a deep and thorough plowing up in your mind, in your heart, and in your life by self-examination with the Word of God. Give your inward and outward condition a good, hard look, my friends. Whatever you do, don't be afraid of the diagnosis because whatever you find, Jesus can fix it. Repent of your repenting. Turn from sin and habits that get you into trouble. Schedule your life and priorities in terms of Christ's kingdom and His revealed will. Turn to Jesus for cleansing and strength. Remember that God exalted Christ to give repentance. So ask Him to give you a better way of repentance. But remember that the basis of your salvation is not on how well you repent, but on how well Christ forgives and changes you. And remember that most of the problems that you and I as Christians have in life are because of a breakdown of our repentance. It's not because of some syndrome. It's not because of some psychological or mental problem. It is because of a breakdown in the process. We have quit repenting in some area of our life. And that's what causes the thorns. And now we come to the good ground here. Let's look at Luke because he is probably the most thorough here. Verses 8 and 15. Another seed fell into the good ground and it grew up and produced a crop. 100 times as great. Verse 15, the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Do you see the difference in the good soil compared to the other soils? This one soil produced abundant fruit, and that's always the evidence of a healthy spiritual life. It always comes with a proper acceptance of the Word of God. Spiritual growth, fruitfulness is a result of a proper acceptance of the preached Word of God. How do you hear the Word of God? What is the second thing that is different about this soil than the other soils? This is the one part of the garden that was well and deeply plowed. It was adequately prepared by God and by the farmer to receive the seed. What was this good soil? 
This is the people who, when they hear the preaching of the Word of God, receive it with an open, unprejudiced mind, and they cling to it. They receive it, not because they like the way the preacher says it, or because they like the preacher, or because of the way it makes them feel, but they receive the Word of God because it is the Word of God, whether they like what it tells them or not. They possess a good and honest heart, and, and that is hearts that desire dealing with God, the God of all goodness, hearts that are open, unmasked, no facade, no pretense, hungry hearts that want the Word of God, obedient hearts that want to live in terms of that law, no matter what, teachable hearts that are willing to believe whatever the Word says for them to believe. And Luke says, and they held, they held it fast. That means giving special and careful attention to the preaching of the Word of God. It means opening your heart and your mind to perceive that Word and whatever it says. It means that you and I will pray that God illumines us every time we listen to the preaching of His Word and opens our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of His law. Well, beloved, remember the main point. This good soil had a good heart an honest heart because of God's Word. It held fast the Word of God and held it with perseverance because it was well plowed. It was fully ready to receive the Word of God. It was prepared by the farmer plowing it up and by God sending the sunshine and the rain. The condition of the soil determines the growth of the seed. What God's Word does in your heart and to your life is dependent upon how well plowed up your heart is. It depends on how attentive you are to His Word and how repentant you are when you see yourself not submitting to that Word. Let me say one last thing. You know, whenever you hear a parable of Jesus, listen, it puts you in a crisis situation. Whether you are a Christian or a Hindu or a Buddhist, a humanist, a skeptic, whatever you are, Whenever anyone anywhere in the world hears a parable of Jesus, it places that person in a crisis situation. That person must make a choice for or against Christ. They can remain neutral no longer. They cannot remain undecided once they hear a parable of Jesus. Jesus' parables compel us to make a decision about Jesus Christ, even today. You can't resist it. You can't avoid it. The parables of Jesus Christ make you trust Him and give your life to Him, or they harden you in your resistance against Him. But you cannot and will not walk away from this church building neutral and undecided today. In fact, my friend, you have already been forced to make a decision about your relationship to Jesus Christ while you were listening to the preaching of the parable of the sower and the soils. You have already made a decision for Christ or against Christ today. You have decided which one of these soils represents you, and you have decided what you will or will not do about it. You have already made a decision. What is it? Which soil are you? What have you decided to do about the condition of your heart? I beg you to plow up your heart, to repent, 
to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to put your head in His yoke and to begin a life in obedience to Him, to trust Him for all things. For it is only then that you can be fruitful for Him. It is only then that you will have true life at all. Through me, the Lord Jesus Christ, the sower, says to you and keeps on saying to you, crying out to you, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, these parables of yours are almighty. They cut through our defenses and they go straight to our heart. And we thank you for that. We thank you that your power overrides any resistance that is within us. Oh, Lord, help us to think clearly and deeply about the kind of hearers we are. Make us all good soils. Give us good, true, and honest hearts. Help us to hold fast to the preached word in perseverance. For Jesus' sake, we pray these things. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. <music>